You shall strike down the house of Ahab. Why? Because that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Yes, there is the reason. To the fragrance of spring Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God Oh, powerful, untamable All struck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says that you may strike down the house of Ahab, your master. This was more than we were told Elisha told this man from the school of prophets to say. Either Elisha told him to say this and it wasn't recorded previously, or he came under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he did what Elisha told him to do and spoke this in spontaneous prophecy to Yehu. The reason for this prophecy was a judgment against the house of Ahab for all the evil he and his wife Jezebel committed against God's prophets. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. Before God took him into the whirlwind by the chariot into heaven, he gave him three things that God wanted him to accomplish. Notice what it says in verse 15 of 1 Kings 19. He says, Then the Lord said to him, speaking of Elijah, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. So this is when Elijah had been running for his life after the, the, the situation in, uh, in the Mount Carmel, where he faced off with the 450 prophets of Baal, and he slew those prophets, remember. And immediately after that, he fled down south to Beersheba and then went further down to Mount Horeb, where uh, God gave to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. And so he runs for his life because he hears that Jezebel has got a contract on his head. So she's coming after him, or or sending henchmen uh, to come after him, and so he takes off. And it's during that time that the Lord said to him, said to Elijah, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, and, and this is one of the things that God wanted him to do, I want you to anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Notice, this is another country. I want you to go to anoint him king. Go figure. And also you shall anoint Yehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. That's the second thing God wanted Elijah to do. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. In other words, your job is done here. And I want you to anoint Elisha. He's going to be your predecessor. And I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Syria. I want you to anoint Yehu, the son of Nimshi. And it shall be, whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Yehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Yehu, Elisha will kill. So these three things God commissioned Elijah to do. Now in his lifetime, before he was taken up by the whirlwind into heaven, 
He didn't accomplish all three of those things. Ultimately, they did get accomplished. But the one thing that Elijah did personally is he did anoint Elisha to be prophet in his place. That he did do. But Elisha would be the one to anoint Hazael, king over Syria. We saw that last week. And it would also be one of the sons of the prophets. And we just read it that Elisha would send to Yehu to anoint him to be king over Israel, meaning the northern ten tribes. And so by now, all of these things have been buttoned up. You know, Now the things that God asked Elijah to do, now were accomplished through not only his servant Elisha, but unto another servant. And finally it was done. And so verse 4 it says, So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth-Gilead. Now this young man here is not Gehazi. Uh, Gehazi has, is no longer Elisha's servant. Uh, back in chapter 5, verse 27, we know that because of his greed, he was struck with leprosy. And so this other young man, he, he goes unnamed. We don't know who he is. But there he is serving the prophet, just being faithful to do something. You know, and and I, I think that's just so wonderful. You know, the, the Bible doesn't even mention his name. And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to know my name. He knows us by name. He knows us intimately. But he doesn't, uh, the Lord is not hung up on titles and, and who does what in his kingdom. You know, I, I want to have the heart, and, and perhaps you do too, that God could say to any one of us, I just want you to do this. Are you willing to sweep the floor? Are you willing to teach in the Sunday school? Are you willing to clean the bathrooms after church? <laughs> not me. I'm going to be the pastor. I want to be a Sunday school. I want to be the worship leader. I want to be the guy with the electric guitar around my neck with the light shining on me and, you know, all the bling, you know, and all that, you know. And it's like, God's like, are you willing to do the smallest thing for me? Isn't that service to the Lord? And here, this man doesn't even have a name. The Bible doesn't even tell us what his name is. And I think there's something really wonderful about that for all of us that I that I'm learning. I'm not saying that I've learned it. I think I have at times, but then I'm, I'm also continuing to learn. It's just important to be a servant of God. I mean, just, just let it be enough to be a servant of God, regardless of who gets the credit. If you're serving under somebody in a ministry, do it your very best. Do it as unto the Lord, not as unto man. And God will reward you for your service to him. And that's really all that should matter. It shouldn't matter about who gets the accolades. And hopefully, the only one who gets the accolades is Jesus, right? So verse 5, so when he arrived there, this servant, there, there were captains of the army sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. And Yehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander, because Yehu was the commander of Joram's army. Yes, Joram, the king of Israel. When I say king of Israel, you know what I mean, right? Israel, the northern ten tribes. From now on, when I say Israel, and the Bible makes this very clear too, he's speaking of the northern ten tribes. When he says Judah or Jerusalem, he's speaking about the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Okay, so, so he arose and went into the house, and he poured oil on his head, and he, said, I, uh, and he said to him, Thus says the Lord God, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord. Notice the, the word Lord is all caps. That's the Hebrew term Jehovah or Yahweh or the Tetragrammaton. You might see it where it's Y-H-W-H because the, the word to the Jew was so holy 
<laughs> that they, they, they removed the vowels of the whole thing and, and, and they would only speak, they wouldn't say the whole word, they would just mention the, the consonants. And to them, they had such a reverence for the word of God, and I, I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. Would to God we had more reverence for the word of God. Instead of just going, oh, I just you know, tear out a piece of the Bible and read it, okay, I'm done with that. You know, there was a reverence for that. If you ever get a chance to read about the canonization process or how, or how the scribes, how they wrote the scrolls, and you read about the discipline that they went through, it'll blow your mind. It'll make you never complain about your job ever again. <laughs> I've read some things and I'm like, oh my goodness, these guys were so diligent, they were so careful, and they did it all for the glory of God. It's amazing. So, notice verse 7. Here's the commission that God gives to Yehu, this man. He says, You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge. Notice, here's the purpose. God never gives a, a man to do something, especially when it comes to retribution like this, when it's going to mean actually assassinating, some, killing somebody. He doesn't do this for any reason. There is a reason that God does things. And, you know, Jesus would be canceled today. The, 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 Old Test, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the, of the New Testament. There's no difference. If he were on the earth today, he would be canceled. He'd be kicked off Twitter. He would be, um, the government would be ransacking his house. The FBI would show up and, and, and be tearing his house apart, rifling through it, trying to find, you know, uh, communion crackers or something. I don't know what they're going to find. They're not going to find anything. But God says, you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master. Yes. <laughs> Yehu, you, you were the commander of the army for Israel. And now I'm asking you, because of the harlotry and the idolatry that never ceased throughout all of his days, Ahab and his horrible wife, Jezebel. Now, did God love Ahab and Jezebel? Yes, he did. He loves people. But he hates the sin. And he hasn't changed. He loves you and I, but he hates the sin. And so it behooves us, doesn't it, to really take a look at sin and, and not play footloose and fancy free with sin. And so many Christians in the church today, it's, it's more like a suggestion now instead of a commandment. And most people think, well, it's the Old Testament. I don't need to pay attention to that. we got the New Testament. Now. He's a God of grace. I'll just go and party and drink and do what I want. Well, if that's your idea of grace, you are messed up. That's not grace, that's lasciviousness. You are walking on thin ice. If that is your attitude, well, I can just sin and God will forgive me. Yes, if you're sincere, he will forgive you. But you know what? There comes a time when you start flirting with that. God knows the game that you play. And he will chasten you if you're a child of God. He will chasten you and you'll know you're being chastened. But he's chasing you to bring you back. And he's doing it with instruction to bring you back. He doesn't want to destroy you. But if you're evil and you continue bent on evil and you never repent, you better be really careful because everywhere you go, you could be a pile of dust. <laughs> God can strike you at any moment and take your life away. And he does it. When a man or a woman is unbelieving and they continue in their sin, never hopes of repentance, they're just hook, line, and sinker evil. Those people you got to pray for because when judgment comes, it usually comes swift and it's over in an instant. And God is justified when it happens. 
You shall strike down the house of Ahab. Why? Because that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Yes, there is the reason. Part of the reason. Jezebel killed many of the the true prophets of God because she was an idol worshiper. She was a devil worshiper. And then when finally the real prophets are talking and, and, and obviously against those things, what does she do? She hires a hit squad to go after him and kills him. And God is aware of it. Didn't Jesus say, every hair of your head is numbered? And I know every single hair that falls from your head. He knows. And he is able to determine that. For he says in verse 18, For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off Ahab, all the males in Israel, both bond and free. And what does it tell us in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6? Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man, male and female. Male and female. Let's say it together, it feels so good. Male and female. There are only two genders on this planet, male and female. Amen? God said it. I believe it. Guess what? That settles it. Lex talionis is a Latin term. It means an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. And obviously, we don't do that today. We, let, we have laws in place, and they are designed to slow down the spread of sin in man. But back at this time, that's how strict God was with sin. And guess what? Their crime rate was pretty, pretty slim, because the consequences were very real, and they were meted out. There was justice. Whenever there's justice, and true justice, there is a peace. But man calls it freedom when they can do whatever they want. That's not freedom. That's hedonism. That's, that, that's like a, a, a chaos. You know, it's a nuclear bomb ready to go off. Such is the heart of man. I don't know why we, you know, people can't figure that out. We are inherently evil, not inherently good. Follow me? Doesn't the Bible tell us that? I, sorry, I, I, you came tonight thinking, I'm going to feel good message. I want to leave here feeling affirmed. I'm sorry, but you know, you're affirmed, yes, because Jesus loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. That's all the affirmation I need. But I also know that there's an old nature within that left unchecked and without the Spirit of God in my life, he expresses himself in such horrible ways. Yes, the old man is still alive and well. Paul understood that. Why do I do evil when I want to do good? O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I, the Lord, and there's the answer. (laughs) The Lord is the one who does that. Notice verse 9. So I will make the house of Ahab, notice, like the house of Jeroboam and the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. And this is interesting because uh, we, we've been through this in First Kings. If you go back and you can read about um, the house of Jeroboam and the house of Baasha, and they were wicked kings and they murdered people. And it was a horrible thing that they did. And, and, and God judged them severely for it. And, and we heard this prophecy, you know, before, you know, making this house like the house of, uh, like the house of Jeroboam. God's going to make um, this, this king, Joram, the same. And, though, and, and through the prophecies, 
that God had spoken to Ahab, God had warned Ahab and Jezebel, but notice they did not listen. Uh, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 21. Just turn left a, a couple of pages, probably five or six, seven pages to your left, and you'll come to 1 Kings chapter 21, because it's, uh, it's in this prophecy, we're going to see, um, if you remember, Ahab wanted a, a neighbor's land so he could build a vineyard, And the man didn't want to give it to the king, and the king pouted. And so what did his good wife Jezebel do? She has him murdered and then has his land given to the king. So now he's happy. Oh, happy day, right? And so after this, God speaks to, uh, he condemns Ahab, and he uses Elijah the prophet to do it. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 17, notice what the Lord said to him. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise and go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. And there he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it after his wife had him killed. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Boy, God is uh, not mincing any words, isn't he? He's not going to him and saying, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, you had a tough upbringing, and I know things were really hard, you know, and, and you really didn't mean it. I know it, and it's okay. You know, just, just don't do it again, all right? I mean, I know you murdered a lot of people, and you're a killer, and you did all this stuff, but, you know, just try to be better next time, okay? All right, just write a check for five bucks to the state of New York and we'll call it done. <laughs> he says, arise and go down to meet Ahab. There he is in the field. And you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? So Ahab, verse 20, said to Elijah, have you, you have found me, O my enemy. And Elijah answered Ahab, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you, and I will take, and here God is speaking through the prophet, and so I will take away your posterity, notice, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And notice in verse 22, it's very similar to the verse we were just looking at. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebad, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. See, God cares about his people, and this king was given over to idolatry, and that hurts other people, doesn't it? So does God go after the people and blame them? No, he goes to the head first. And he says, what are you doing? I've allowed, I've anointed, you're in this place because I put you there. And there's a responsibility with that kingdom, Ahab. So let me ask you again, what are you doing? Why are you worshiping these gods that don't have ears or eyes and they can't speak, they can't hear, they're dumb idols? Why are you worshiping these things when you can come to the true and living God and have newness of life and have a relationship with me and have your sins forgiven? And concerning, verse 23, notice, And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was none, verse 25, notice this, like Ahab, who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. 
Okay, so now we see this prophecy, very similar to the one that the, this man, uh, this uh, son of the prophet is speaking um, uh, to, uh, to the man of God. So notice, and turn, uh, go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 22, just uh, one chapter to your uh, right there. And then now we find out, we see actually this prophecy partially fulfilled upon Ahab. And I say partially because we're going to see the end of this prophecy taking place in the scriptures that we're looking at tonight. So it's partially fulfilled. Notice what it says in 1 Kings 22, beginning in verse 19. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And then his spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And isn't this interesting? This evil spirit is able to approach uh, God. We see that in Job, don't we? Do you think evil spirits are approaching God right now on, to say uh, to mess with you and ask for permission? Yep. The Lord said to him, in that way, or I'm sorry, the Lord said to him, in what way? And so he said, I will go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and you also shall prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. And um, let me see. Let's, let's go down to... Um, you can read the rest of that, but I'm just going to skip on to verse 29 for the sake of time. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, they went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. And uh, now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariot, saying, Fight with no man, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And so it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And therefore they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah at the time, he cried out. And it happened that when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, it wasn't Ahab, that they turned back from pursuing him. And now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle for I am wounded. And so this man pulls back a bow. He wasn't even looking. He's just, you know, one of those fits of rage where you're just like, and you just let it fly. And it just happens to land in between the joints of the armor and strikes Ahab, wounds him mortally. So the battle increased that day, verse 35, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. And the blood ran out onto the floor of the chariot. And as the sun was going down, a shout went out through the army, saying, Every man to his city, and every man to his country. And so the king died, was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up the blood while the harlots bathed, according to the word of the Lord which had been spoken. So this prophecy concerning Ahab himself had come to fruition, but there was still... Ahab's house, his sons, and there was also some unfinished business with his evil wife, Jezebel. 
Now, God would have much rather have had these people repent and turn from their sin because is God the, uh, the, the God of the living or of the dead? He's the God of the living. It, is it his will that none should perish? Yes, it is. He doesn't want people to perish. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.